Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome along. Monday night, 8 p.m. The Online Darts Live Lounge returns for episode 143. Gentlemen, how are we? Come on, darling. How are we all? I've seen too much of you recently, Jack. And weirdly, not enough of you, Phil. (laughs) I'm off then. (laughs) (laughs) See you Thursday. Not a chance. Uh, It's all good. Uh, First of all, good week. Yeah, long, long weekend, long weekend. And we still got two more of them. That's what happens when you put three seniors qualifiers back to back. Yeah. Just two seniors qualifiers, thank you. But three other events. Same thing. It's it's like when they used to call UK Open qualifiers and Pro Tours. Same thing. Same Um, but different. Yeah. um, It has been manic. Plenty of darts on all codes. All sides of of the water. Plenty to discuss. Uh, but first of all, let's jump straight into the chat room. Uh, Tommy, how are we doing? Um, ABM is in. Graham Jar is in watching. Good to have you on board, buddy. Uh, Craig, Kieran, uh, Cameron, Owen, uh, Ed, Joe. How are we all doing? Um, how's MVG's mouth? No, it's getting there. Look, it still needs another op, but he's getting there. How are we doing, Daniel? Uh, Tommy is in. Uh, Ryan, Zane. Uh, Puzzle Dan is in. There's loads in tonight. Um, looks good on your um, paper. How are we doing? That's manic. Ricky, Stuart, as always. Uh, James, Michael. Hey, it's good, isn't it? Chat room is nice and busy already. Solid. Yeah. Um, right. First of all, we spoke last week about the rule as in regards to the taking the tour card away. Was it right that it was used straight away? Now, I've got some information 
on said rule. So this interview, fingers crossed, will be coming out tomorrow once we pick the headline and clip. However, I've taken a proportion out of it, which kind of clears this up, boys. I'll let you listen to it, and then you can discuss. Brutal. 31 cards available. There was an extra card became available. Um, I think most people agree with the decision to remove Corey's card, but potentially with your players head on, like I know you've gone into a lot of it, is it right that they've introduced a rule and then instantly used it? Should that rule have come in and been for all new tour card holders? Do, 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 do you know what I mean? It's not a new rule. It's not a new rule. Uh, it's. I think we spoke about this before Christmas yeah. as well. Uh, it's actually in the player's contract. So they may have put a rule in terms of the DRA or a rule yeah, yeah. in terms of public facing, Yeah. but actually in the player's contract, and I don't mean like the public facing data, the contract between you and the yeah, promoter, yeah. it says in there that if you do not play an event within 12 months, that you can have your status removed. And he hasn't played an event within but 12 I... months. So all they've done is take that from being a contracted into a, something that's no, that's fair enough. so yeah it's not something that's new um i fully expected it to happen and it's absolutely the right decision so it's not actually a new rule gents it's always been in the player's contract potentially but the way they've worded it and the rule that they've then changed on the website they then haven't updated by the way which is even worse the the 3.10 article which they quoted in the release when they said corey cabby's card was being removed and they were updating the rule initially said that turning down any invite may see them remove your chance to compete in anything else. They then Agreed. reworded it saying if you don't play in the first 12 years on amendment to 3.10, then they published the 2024 playing rules and conditions and never updated rule 3.10. But it's always been in the player's contract, something that we don't get to see. Well, I've got a copy of this year's, but... Um, I'd love to see a previous one to double chat that. Well, look, Matt's been in there. Matt says it's there. He's been a player for, what was he on the tour, for 12 years? So it's always been there. It's just, it's now a DRA rule as well. I'm not I'm not going to dispute what Matt has said. If Matt's seen it, Matt's seen it. I agree with that. But then what the PDC need to should have stated is that is what they've done. They've enforced a rule that's in the player's contract, not we've amended a rule on our own rules that we published to you lot and then yeah. not update that rule in the published updated rules. They the they're still making a rod for their own back here, whatever happens. Yeah, but the, the player's contract never normally sees the light of day, which is probably why I'm guessing they haven't referenced it before, because it's not something that the general public would ever see. They still don't need to... World Championships at the same year before last year, but it still exists and they can bring it out whenever they want to. They're just very selective in how they've approached this and I think they've got it wrong. And yeah. As I said last week, and I still reiterate the point, getting that tour card back is a positive for darts. Corey Cadby is not using it, had no intention of using it, and as we dropped on the show last week, has no ability of using it <laughs> if not the long-term future, right? He's not allowed to play webcam from inside HMP, whatever they want to call it, over there, right? <laughs> he's just not. So he's got no way of using that tour card. So getting that tour card back is absolutely the right result. But as I said, the way they've gone about it, especially the way they've gone about it publicly, is wrong. 
If you want to quote that rule in the players' contracts, then fine, but quote that rule in the players' contracts. Don't spin the public a different line about updating a rule in your terms in your playing rules for the year and then not update the rule. Because it looks even more daft. Yeah, but out of all them, rule one still exists, so it doesn't matter. It's not actually written as rule one. <laughs> It might, be, it might be in the players' contract because we haven't seen it. But <laughs> um, mind you, I did send you boys a bit of it the other day, didn't I? Yeah, I, I just think it the uh, again. I think we're all we're all going to stick to the point, which is correct to do so in regards to its right to remove. And it's even more right if it is in the contract, but just state that in your statement that we've removed <laughs> him because of this. Not try and hide it within between a we've set a new rule to. He's not coming back, is he? It's sorted now. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, yeah, it is sorted, but I think now's the time to have a frank conversation about the other two. Perez is still looking for to sort his visa. We heard that over the Bahrain Masters. Dan Dawson said that. The other one we need a frank conversation right now about is Adrian Lewis. But he's played in something within the 12 months. It, well, it's, it's also the first year. So if you play in someone in your first year, you can't remove it until you drop off the rankings regardless. That was the update in the terms of conditions or in the rules, in the published playing rules. But as we've spoken about before the show, literally today, and go, he's off doing exhibitions or appearances at the same time as PDC events. There doesn't seem to be any drive from him to go back and play. It's just been, oh, I'm not sure yet. I'll leave the door open in case I want to. At what point does it become a hopeless task of trying to save the tour card for the future because he's just simply defending too much? If he gets to the match play, then him playing, he might all right, he might qualify for a Worlds and keep it out of absolutely nowhere. But is he denying somebody else an opportunity at this point? And is he getting let off a bit here compared to others because he's a two-time world champion and has some quite a large fan base? Uh, there's a couple of answers in that. The second one, absolutely, he has got more leeway because of who he is. And I don't think they would take it off him because of who he is. Is he denying someone the opportunity? Yeah. Um, but my gut is that Adrian Lewis will not use his tour cards at all this year. Yeah. That, that's, thinking, that's my gut. I'm thinking the same because I think if we were going to see Adrian Lewis or, or there was been about a 10 to 15 percent chance we see him play from when he said out of, not out of nowhere but he decided he wasn't going to use his talk and he was taking a, a step back from the sport for a while i thought if we'd seen him at the world championship qualify there was an outside chance there's still a one-off the prize money's still there to 10 people you have a crack at it you go and get yourself up on stage you're 20 grand better off and you might ignite that spark in yourself but if not you've still gone to work the fact he's not doing that but everything else, i'm just a bit and for me, it's tarnishing himself a bit as well. If he'd gone right, I don't want this at the moment. I'm not in the right position for it. I'm not in the right frame of mind for this at the minute. I'm still chasing a level, but actually I might want it in the future. Here's my tour card. And if I do want to have a crack at it, I'll go back to Q score. I'll go down the proper routes and I'll, I'll go and chase it properly from the ground upwards. Like, as much as we didn't like him when he made the comeback, Raymond Van Barneveld did. He's yeah, gone but... about it properly, retired. He wasn't, he didn't want to play darts. All right. No, 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 right. The reasons to come back for Barney right. were different to what well, he did, didn't he? No, I'm going to add something to this. Right. When you when you talk to Barney, he regrets handing his tour card back. He wishes he'd have done what others have done in this situation, kept it, and then come back if he chose to. 
Because but Barney played the full year and then decided to step away. Lewis stepped away midway through a season and is now in a very unlikely position to keep it. If yeah, Barney had carried on playing, but what I'm which, saying is, he if he if he'd have kept his tour card and not handed it back, when he then decided to return, he would have still been in the top sixty-four, so wouldn't have needed to go to Q school. And he wishes he'd he would have been defending a shitload, which was his problem for the year before, which is why he wasn't enjoying it. And he's also got the absolute benefit of hindsight in the fact that COVID appeared and cost him his lucrative oh, couple of years yeah, on the expedition yeah. tour with Phil Taylor. So it's all right saying, all right, now I wouldn't have had to chase that. But actually, at the time, everybody could see it in Raymond Van Barneveld. He didn't want to be anywhere near an Ocket. But you say there in hindsight, Barney's saying that. But then I would then say from a Lewis perspective, is looking at people who have done a similar route and learning from that experience that in six months' time, if he wants to play, he's still got that opportunity to do so. I I do think it's different with Adrian Lewis because of Lewis, of who he is and what he's done for the sport and being two-time world champion. Um, it's different to someone dead in the tide and not playing at all for whatever reason. Um, he's not going to be in that situation in 12 months' time, is he? But 12 months is a long time in people's careers, like potentially 12 months of someone else's career that's being hindered right now because that opportunity isn't there. Like, I know the opportunity was never there to start if you're not missing out 100%, but there's still that conversation to be had that actually with all that's been done in Adrian Lewis's career, if he's got no intention and, and doesn't see it in the near future, then actually stepping aside would have seen a bit more, there would have been an outpouring of adulation on his career a moment to reflect on that. And if that then changed his mind, it might have given him the drive to go back and, and chase it again. But I'm just not sure there's any motivation right now in any factor to, to be a professional darts player right now. But if that changes in six, nine months' time, he's still got an opportunity to be one. Does he's earned that right to be one? A very small opportunity. But he's done it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, as, as that individual, I don't know why you would then put your... You would then hand it in. Unless you are 100% concrete that for 12 months you're not going to pick him up and you're not going to compete. I feel like he is. <laughs> that's a, that's why I brought it up, because I feel like right now, if we were going to see Adrian Lewis, we would have seen him either at an event. Look, he's at the UK Open. He's guaranteed to be at the UK Open as a player and he's going there as to do a fan show on the side. Why would you not play in the UK Open? Because you've got no love for the game right now. Exactly. But that's like, if you've not gone to the World Championship qualifier and you've not gone, you're not playing in the UK Open, but you're doing an, an appearance on the side, then that tells me everything you need to know about Adrian Lewis's mindset for the next 12 months. He's got no intention of picking him up. You can't say, but you're saying for 12 months, this isn't an event, this isn't for World Championship next year. This is for the play, uh, UK Open in March. There's still a possibility that he changes his mind within these 12 months and plays darts. I feel like it's a bit like having an accident when you ride a bike. If you don't get back on the bike soon, you're never going to do it. And there's just there's opportunities there to just it doesn't have to go and commit. Just do the odd event. Just keep your arm in. Just keep yourself ticking over. Just keep yourself familiar with that environment so it's not completely alien. If you do decide come October that you want to start chasing. I get what you're saying. He's earned the opportunity by having a tour card, which is exactly what it was, which is the same argument with Corey and Perez. 
by going to Q School, the contract is you earn the, the right and the opportunity to pick and choose what events on that pro tour you want to play in. But if we're going to sit here and say it's 100% the right decision to get Corey's card back, then I think the same conversation has to be said about Adrian Lewis right now. If he has no intention of using it, which is but, shown by the absence in the UK Open. I'm not, I'm not saying there is, but is there a difference between an established tour card holder and a new tour card holder? Yes. Really. There's, an, there's a difference between the fact that Adrian Lewis is a former two-time world champion and if the PDC take his card off him, it creates a social media backlash. How dare they do that to somebody who's done so much in the game? If this is a player outside of their former top 16 darlings that we know they love and adore, if this is a, a Mervyn King that is not playing and is ranked 50th in the world, then they make a completely different conversation. But because it's Adrian Lewis, a former two-time world champion, who's been Premier League player, who's been their pin-up boy, who went toe-to-toe with Taylor and whatever else that came along with that, I don't think they're prepared to make the difficult decision. It's an interesting one. And... I, I I think there is a huge difference between someone that has been on the tour for many years and someone that is banged up and physically can't use their card. There's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Corey being in prison I is think. the that. But if somebody new this year gets a tour card and then doesn't use it because they've got a tour card but can't get a visa to get in the country or or whatever else, there's a diff there's a difference in that as well. For me, the experienced player should know better. They should be the ones going, right, you know what, I've had enough, I've had my time. The newbie still has that hope to chase. It's then, not, if anything, we should be giving the newbie more leeway and we're doing it the opposite way around. No, the, the fact, though, that we've got a player room for whatever reason isn't playing, To for your point, Dob, if I'm right in saying, you are saying take it off him unless he's willing to commit to some events. Mm-hmm. We are then potentially forcing a player to play who isn't potentially in the right mindset to go and do that? Which it's not. It's difficult because I'm not saying like they can go and strip it, but I genuinely think there should be conversations open, right? The same way that I think the cabby situation should have been approached. Like, I know that it gets one phone call a day, so it's not easy. But there's, that that should have been a conversation. I'm right, Corey. You're not going to use this. Let's do this amicably. We can get a message out via your channels or through previous management or whatever else saying. Guys, unfortunately, I'm not in a position to use my card. Corey could have spun the narrative however he wanted from his side. They could have made it look nice. Now, I'm going to give my card back. Uh, I tried, whatever, but I'm just not in a position to use it. I might be back in the in the future. Right, end of story. It doesn't come out the way it has. It doesn't get all the suspicion around it for the last nine months. End of story, right? They could have the same conversation with Randy Lewis, who's gone last year, announced that whatever, that he's, he's not playing for anything. And now he goes... Actually, I've had a thing. I've sat on it for nine months. I've not played. I'm not missing it. I hadn't go to the World Championship qualifier. The UK Open's coming up, and I'd rather sit there and do the fan zone. It, it's not for me at the moment, so I'm going to give my car back and give someone else a chance, but I might get the hunger for it in the future. And, and let them tell their own story, not sit there, waste it, and now we're, we're sat here, and we will be later on in the year. So no point, no doubt, discussing Adrian Lewis and a tour card. I know I brought it up, but... Um, there will be others out there that will have the same conversation as the year goes on and why isn't A.D. Lewis back because 
he gets that adulation and he gets that there's that twinkle in people's eye around Adrian Lewis because in full flow he is one of the greatest we've ever seen. He is one of the most watchable dark players of all time. He plays at a great pace. He's got a flamboyance about him. He's got an arrogance about him. He makes the game look ridiculously simple at times. The blind 1-8, he's, he's, he's a maverick in that regard. He's, he's done it all, though. He speaks his mind. like He's done it, and he gets a lot of... He's got a big fan base because of that. It's interesting. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to the Lewis one because... I think it's different to someone that has just won a card. Yeah, and and there is, I don't what you're saying as well, that he's potentially missed a window of a lot of admiration for him. I guess if he'd have dropped out and done that. But right now, he might want as minimal press or attention. Um, And and by doing it this way, I understand the impact of that one player hasn't had all that extra opportunity potentially. But equally, in easing off into the sunset, maybe you know, maybe something he's prepared, he's preferred option out is instead of a, a big Barney way out or a big Taylor way out. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to see that. There's ways to handle it, but I, that would happen. Now. That would happen because of everything we just said about it, That would happen because. He has achieved so much greatness in yeah. the game. But it would that, happen because yeah. his name needs to be somewhere. And we've seen it in the chat room already of yeah. how good Adrian Lewis was. Yeah. People already told me we missed seeing him. So any announcement of any sort will always there. Obviously, in social media world, will always get some negative impact. But predominantly, for a player that of Adrian Lewis, will always get positive um, feedback in whatever decision comes out. Yeah. But even if it's just like, one up, they go going, hey, guys, look, obviously with Corey, there's a lot of conversation around tour cards right now. I'm not in the right place to use mine right now, but I'm keeping that door open for me for the back of the end because I want to. That's enough to keep this going for now. Do you know what I mean? But just the radio silence at the same time, just a bit. I want to see more. I want to know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're just nosy. I'm not just nosy, but now that Corey's card is done, we're going to be sat on Perez getting a visa, which we've seen him travel to Germany and play in the World Cup and whatever before. So he's played pro events. Attention will turn to Adrian Lewis. And if we sit going, if everyone sits going, don't know, the speculation will just build all year, which will make you more attention than the other way going, right, I'm not using it. Right. Have a chat to him at the UK Open. (laughs) I'll send. Behind the bar with Paul Starr in to do the business. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first event of 2024 has taken place, boys. And normally the Bahrain Darts Masters is quite boring. However, there is one young man that continues to rewrite his own script. And at the moment, it's pretty goddamn fucking good, let's be fair. Yeah, right. Before you go any further, can we just point out the fact that the crowds are still fucking awful and the rest of the tournament was still dead ass. Without this 16-year-old, the big curtain raiser of the season would have still been wank. So don't start getting all hyped up over it going, oh, how brilliant was this tournament? No. A now 17-year-old kid was brilliant. Everybody else was bang average because they were back off holiday. It's the wrong time of the year. And there was about 12 people in there that are nationals of the venue where it is. Now you can when you say everyone else was bang average, I'm going to tell MBG you said that. Don't get me wrong. The, the and final I, I, 
I the, final was, the final he was wank. However, before that, he's averaged 106, 105, and 100. I, I also think same band average to some of them. He's been very nice. To some of them, were worse than that. <laughs> um, but some of it was tripe. Completely. It's going to be a long 17 weeks for some players if they play like they did this weekend. Let's put it that way. Oh, agreed. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but <laughs> as his first event as a PDC tour card holder, Luke Littler has won a TV title, boys. And not just one one, one one in some style. He's at a nine data en route to the final. And he's beaten MVG quite comfortably in the final as well. That we said, would he win a pro tour? He's just won a TV event. Still hasn't won a pro tour, though. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have not played him on yet. He's only got world championship ranking money, and it still doesn't count. <laughs> Unless you're trying to backhand him into the Premier League next year, like they did with Dimitri two years ago. I don't think... So I've got on. a feeling, Dob, they won't need to do that with Lulit. Like yeah, that. I have yeah, exactly the same <laughs> feeling, by the way. Uh, yeah, the converse... There's a word to be had about him just going and winning the UK Open, so he doesn't have to qualify for any of the Euro tours. By the way, but that's a completely different conversation to have. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, Presentation-wise, was crap. The venue looked dreadful, just shoddy. They moved it about. It was on three different channels in three different sessions. There was a positive of this tournament. I thought Mark Wilson made his TV debut as a darts commentator very well. Yes, I agree. I thought he did a great job. We've heard him on Darts on the Radio for, for Talk Sport. I definitely think there's room to freshen up some commentary lineups from what we're used to seeing. And I think he would be a, a, a nice little change in there because he clearly cares and knows about the sport. You don't progress to that level without knowing about it, especially on the radio because you have more air to fill. You can't just sit there and waffle and read off stats that someone in the press room prepared for you. Yeah, but unfortunately, that, up, mate. Come on. <laughs> but, but unfortunately, that network's a closed sh- shop. But yeah, look, we all know that Bahrain isn't about the crowds; that it's about the money. Let, let, let's let's not let's not sugarcoat it. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah, it's well. My my first point to to Dob when we saw the Littler win was. It's a great quiz question in 10 years. What was Lulitler's first title? Because we hope in that stretch of time that Bahrain won't be the opener for what won't be a season open long term because it doesn't deliver on many fronts, including the state of that trophy. And proud all all of it and performance. It's it's too soon still for a tournament after the Worlds. Um, The players are just not match ready. Um, the only positive, I guess, is the Masters not being the opener for some of these. They may it may see us get a better version of the Masters than what we've seen in previous years because they are that will be their third tournament deep. Yeah, but not but, cutting that holiday short and flying out to the middle of nowhere probably would have done that as well. Give them a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's. The fact that Lou Little was there is why. The world is talking about the Bahrain Darts Masters, and I say that because there's BBC, Sky Sports. The Bahrain Darts Masters in 12 months' time, even if it's looted then, will not be the headline on those sports channels. No. 
because of all that now as it is, it certainly is making a story. But with the exception of Michael being better than probably than we expected, um, Lou Little doing what he did in regards to his nine data, the 170 that is just the 170, but the celebration is what makes it even better than what it is. Oh and with that, he comes up against Michael Van Derwin in a final for the first time and does that. It's that is it is all about Lou Little, but it probably has been with the exception of Humphreys for a few, what, for four weeks, five weeks since he made his World Championship debut. And the issue with me is because of Luke, they're going to get away with this. But having that as the opener is, is just really, it's soulless. They've literally sold their soul for it. And like, you've got the hype off the World Championships, right? The, the sport has never been in a better place. And they've been saved by the brilliance of a now 17-year-old kid. And they're going to get away with it because of that. But that other, if Luke's not there and doesn't hit the nine and doesn't win it or reel in the 170 or, or produce those moments where you've got BBC in live blogging it and God knows elsewhere, as your season opener, this is what it looks like for the rest of the rest of the year for the world. They've sold out for a bit of coin in the back pocket. Yeah, but they've got away with it. They've got away with it. The same way that Luke Humphrey's winning four of the last five majors before that at the back end of the year justifies them not including him in the Premier League the year before. That's just sport in general because that new snooker event is an absolute joke. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's shocking. But it's take the... Uh, I know you hate this, but sport is now entertainment. And it, and it is. The purity of sport no longer exists. It is about entertainment. And any organisation will now sell, sell whatever they can to enhance the product. But that, no, that's that's not enhancing the product. That's to line their pockets. There's a difference. Enhancing their product would say, right, we're going to take your money, but we're going to put you in a decent spot in the calendar, not sell our souls so you can be the first event of the year. There's yeah, a difference. But... Enhancing the product and lining your pocket are two different things because that yeah, money's but... not going back into the system to reinvest. It's making the top eight richer by traveling halfway around the world. Formula One did the same. It's supporting a select group of individuals. That's not Formula enhancing one... the product. That's Formula enhancing one did the same. People, it, it does enhance the product. How it, it puts it into a territory that isn't necessarily oh, there's got a massive darts following and growing. Yeah, the two players are sent average 59. Yeah, got start somewhere. That, that's enhancing, and plus the money the money does enhance the sport because it does go back in. Not all of it, granted. Some of it does lie in shareholders' pockets. I'm not arguing that. But some of that does go back into the system. Because... I'm not convinced of how much... I'm not convinced of how much money from the Bahrain Masters does back into the system. It's... Look, it is. But going back to Luke Littler, he has just sent out a huge message to those other seven in that Premier League that he has just literally taken apart the Premier League field. He's beaten Aspinall, Price and Van Gerwen to win. I just hope he's as good at 17 as he is at 16 if so we're in for a right year. <laughs> <laughs> we are in for a right year. And to be like, I know you mentioned there about the purity of the sport and the money and that's what it does. But one thing Lou Littler doing what he's doing right now 
if this isn't a tit up the backside to Michael Smith, MVG, Derwin Price, probably the main three within that, I would say. If that don't give them a tit up the backside, I don't think anything ever will. Because he can go and dominate. But we've said so many times, so should MVG, Derwin Price, Michael Smith. This has got to be a tit up the backside that them need that they need. Because he's doing stuff in a manner that they used to be able to do in regards to being to do a nine dart finish, one seventy, go on and still lift the title. That nine dart should have put him off the rest of the day <laughs> in reality, even doing it in lead one. It didn't, it was just class and a, Odessa, the reaction from Nathan Aspinall as well made that a little bit sweeter. I thought it was great by Asp to react the way he did. Probably it made it a little bit easier for him that it's in lead one. If that's at four apiece, three apiece, whatever, it might be slightly different. But Luke Littler has certainly lifted the sport. Hopefully it lifts the players. So, going back to it, that we've tried not to hype too much pressure on Luke, but with what he's doing, it's now hard not to. Can he go on and be the best ever? I still think that's a difficult question to answer because the best ever did it for so, so long. Phil Taylor has 16 world titles to his name. Luke Little won't be eligible for this. You could <laughs> Luke Little could have a 32-year career before he's eligible for the World Seniors. Like to, to judge somebody over that distance, to suggest that somebody even better than Luke won't be along in five to ten years' time. It's just it's, to compete with him or contend with him is it's just so difficult to judge. He has all the attributes, he has the mentality, he's rocked up and created a storm at an early age. But the next Three to five years are so crucial in that and how he stays on track because he could quite easily go and have a load of success by the age of 22, retire by the age of 25. We never hear from him again. And we could, but I also very, go back um, to the point that to be the greatest in something, you don't need to have won the most titles. In this sport, you do. Phil Taylor is You've got to go chasing that. I'm not saying you don't chase it, but you don't have to win the most titles to be classed as the best in anything. That's not just starts, by the way. That's in sport, full stop. Because, and I go back to the snooker point. Until Ronnie O'Sullivan levelled Hendry's World Championship records, even when he was on three, people, and most people genuinely agreed that Ronnie O'Sullivan was the greatest player ever to pick a queue up. But everybody else agreed when he reached seven. And there will always be that dispute that Taylor won 16. If he wants to go down as the undisputed best of all time, you have to go and beat that tally. You simply do. MVG's apparently the greatest of all time. He's won three world championships in 18 appearances. That ain't my goat. Sorry, pal. That's twice I've thrown shade at him today. He played a right about right, and I'll, I'll admit that one. But three out of 18 world championships isn't enough for a player who's allegedly dominated the sport for the last 15 years. Not, not, not when you judge on world titles, because James Wade doesn't go into that conversation without a world title. See, but he does for me. I Genuinely, James Wade is the only player I can make a genuine argument for to be in my top five of all time without a world title. And I can genuinely make that argument. 
got to have a world title to be in the top five. No, we've done the majority of this score now. Has to be. Has to be. And Joe, if you think that Lou Littler wins 20 in before he's 40, no, if you want to about world titles, your mole's off. Just because he is a ridiculous talent, he has the potential to go on and have a ridiculous career, but he is only 17. And I mean that in the sense of there's still a lot to happen in the next three, five, ten years of growing up. He's yeah, shot to right. He's shot, he's shot to stardom. Yeah, he's shot to stardom in for in four weeks. Yes, he's not new to us, he's not new to some people, but him walking down the street four weeks ago to him walking down the street now is completely different. He's gone to so many events, he's gone and all this wouldn't have happened up until recently. And you've seen which is again great for the sport. You've seen Luke Humphreys at the Leeds match yesterday going on the pitch and the trophy. Luke Little has just had a little feel of that in four weeks' time. There's a lot more of that to Tom. And it's managing that, it's managing Talendo, it's still being able and performing at the level that he can do. He has all the potential to be to be MVG's PDC titles, to beat Phil Taylor's world titles. The potential is 100% there. But And I think there is a lot to Tom in next year and the, the years to Tom. How far that goes is down to Luke and these first... I probably know a bit more than you, Dob, just because he's a step above. But I probably know five, ten years what he does. Where he's in ten years' time is a real pinpoint of what he can then do and progress. And I guess it lends quite well into what we were speaking about earlier. If someone would have said after AD won his second title, is that the end of AD's world street? Because at that time he was ridiculous. No one would have done. Tom twenty twenty four. He won't be picking up a dart. He won't have won another world title. It wouldn't have happened. So it's that. They'd have less majors than Peter Wright at that point. Yeah. People had seen him playing a BDO with Mervyn King as a pairs partner 15 years before. Like, yeah. That's the, the, the one thing that's for me to say, Yeah. The, there's so much that has to go right for Luke to be the best of all time. Look, he's perfectly equipped to do so at his age and his ability and what we're seeing from him so far. The attributes he's got, the scoring power, the counting, the mentality that we've seen so far. But all it takes is one little thing to go wrong, and we're talking about him being the complete opposite end of the scale, and not the new Corey Cadby. But where did it go wrong? Like it's such a fine tightrope for the next five to ten years for Luke Littler. Are there shorter term? By the age of being twenty-one, do I think he lifts the world title? Yes. However, there's still question. There will still be certain question marks. Missing match starts to win a trophy. And losing, how does that? How does he react to stuff like that? Everything we've said he's reacted to so far, but it's just them moments. He's lost the world final, yes, at 16, but he's lost the world final. If the next world final is in, he loses that. How does he then react to being there again? There's those sort of things, and these are big achievements, but there we still, there's still going to be those moments where we say, Oh, he's dropped in form. Is that it? Have we seen the best of Luke already? There's all those times that will come. And it's how we react. And it's, it's what it's what support, because right now, the support around him will be key. Because there is everyone within, all the way up to David Beckham dropping him his DMs. <laughs> so if all them people are contacting him, it's just making sure that, like says, he's he's at the right mindset. He's doing the right things, and as well as all that, he's also living his life away from the dartboard and he's managing yeah. everything correctly. And I'm sure his family and his management are making sure he does that. 
it'll be interesting. The other thing is how quickly the rest of the tour respond to playing against Luke. Because at the weekend, it seemed a bit like there was almost not, not too much respect given, but it's very difficult to go and play your natural aggressive game if you're somebody like Gerwin Price, who has the love-hate relationship that he does with a fan base that he does, and then scream in a 16-year-old kid's face. I think we saw a little bit of that when we've seen Fallon in TV appearances until people are comfortable with playing Fallon. When Fallon, Lisa, Dieter, Makura are all making PDC televised debuts, I think there's an element of people being a little bit standoffish because it's so easy to rub a fan base up the wrong way. And I think we saw a little bit of that this weekend. We saw Gezi give one bit of a roar, but actually towards the back end of the match, he looked a little bit exasperated. He didn't seem like he really... A, got going himself in his own performance, but B, had that bit between his teeth to really grind out a result or or try and play any sort of, try and be a bit more aggressive on the hockey that we're used to seeing from him. And it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for them to start treating Luke Littler as an opponent who's taking money out of their pocket rather than a kid who's very, very good at what he does. And actually, we've got to behave because he's good for the sport right now. Um, evening, Matador. Evening, Murph. Hope you are good. Just go, but going back to your point about where you just judge people by title. So, going by that logic, you think Barney's better than MVG? No, because they won bloody WBDO. But look, I'm not saying that's the ball and end. We've had this conversation millions of times in the past when we've put Wade in top tens, and he's always been the one we go back to. The same way that I think Barney's PDC career is an absolute flop, and Adrian Lewis is much better outside of the two world titles. But without that world title, there is still plenty out there that won't put him in that conversation. And look, Phil Taylor's career is not only defined by 16 world championships, by the way. He played in an era where there was less TV events and was far more dominant in them. 16 world championships, 16 world match plays, just for a start. He still holds records for best televised averages in an era where boards to treble 20s are smaller, or they got staples in, or the wires are thicker, or equipment isn't as good. His head-to-head record with virtually everybody is still unbelievable, including against Mark Van Gerwen, in which the only televised event which Van Gerwen has a better head-to-head record against Phil Taylor in is the Premier League. When Phil changed manufacturer, changed equipment, was tinkering around and still ended up with the same number of titles in a couple of years. I know you're a Michael fan. I know you believe he's the best of all time, but Taylor's longevity in an era where the top of the game was quality in an era where the sport was arguably more difficult to play and more difficult to get the recognition for, he is the standout. And because of that, that 16 world titles will be the benchmark in this sport for a long, long time, unless somebody does something very, very special elsewhere, which Michael has got close to doing. But 3-18 and for a player who has dominated the sport to the extent that he has isn't good enough return, whether that's one tournament or not. That's what you're judged on, and 3-18 and isn't enough. I did. That's, that's what you judge it. I don't judge it on that. And I think that MBG is the for me the greatest. Taylor's records will never be beaten in terms of title winning. But M- MBG is the greatest that I've ever seen pick a dart up. Philip Dudless. I'm with Dob. Philip Dudless. Because when you match move, up, Phil Ward is not as better than Van Gerwen everywhere else. He's won as many titles. He's been as dominant in other fields, right? Which is what you're saying Van Gerwen specialises in. So when you put them up against each other, it's who delivered in the biggest moment the most often. 
And that's fair. And he won the biggest title when it mattered more often than anybody else. It's a difficult debate to have on the basis of Michael Van Doen has still got a long way to do in his career. Yeah. We are comparing people at different generations, but also we're comparing someone who's, well, he's got one year left in the sports to someone who has got potentially 20, 30 years in the sports. I know there's going to be the conversation about him saying before that um, he won't go on that long, but we've heard players say that before and still competing. So also, we are talking about someone who's potentially already, If he goes and beats Barney and then adds a couple more, then right, I'm, I'm here for this debate. But until that happens, then no, it's Phil. Also, going off your point, what you said, he won some BDO ones. At the time that he won his, the BDO was on par, if not better than the PDC. So that's a bit of a shit comment. I don't rate Barney's as much. No, I don't, because he had Richard Burnett to compete with and Barney hid from Phil. That's the issue with Barney's is Barney hid from Phil for four of them. Phil was the best on the planet, or arguably. Richie Burnett is the other one in that conversation. But Phil was dominant, had the record, had the success, and he stayed away from Phil for four of those world titles. Beat him once, beat him in the UK Open. What did he win after that? An unranked unranked Premier League. I disagree with that. He was Pairs world champion four times, though, which got him back in the Premier League. Let's not forget that. I think that's codswallop. At the time, the BDO, as a whole tournament, was arguably better than the PDC as a whole. Yeah, I think you're talking out your ass with that one. But anyway, uh, how are we doing, Mr. Duff? Hope you're all good. Um, everyone in, this is what we like. A nice healthy debate on a Monday. Never a dull moment. Um, but going back to Bahrain, obviously with the Premier League. Yeah. Because we've still got one more warm-up event or the PDC warm-up event to come. Before the Premier League starts, this is like the um the, the testimonials. There has to be concerns for players right now in terms of Peter Wright being one of them, because again he chose a set of darts that he says he's going to stick with. I'd be amazed if he plays with him this week. Um, Ma- Michael Smith doesn't look himself at all at the moment. In 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 key moments, I don't think he trusts the equipment. He won't say that publicly. But I don't think he trusts them. Uh, Nathan Aspinall played some decent stuff, but again, lacking lacking match practice with the Premier League to come. Are you concerned for some of them? Price as well. Average 92, 90 and 92 again. Concerned before they got picked. We said that this could be the most out-of-form Premier League ever. They're based off rankings of what they did earlier in the year. Luke Humphrey's has been so, so dominant. We saw Aspinall and Peter Wright scrambling to try and make the Players' Championship finals. They've been well out of form. Price's love-hate relationship with the Premier League is an issue as it is. Before the fact, you then consider that he's not been playing too great. He's flattered to deceive a little bit this year in being excellent in round one and two of tournaments, but not been able to back it up and and keep it going throughout this year. Yeah, he was in the conversation for best in the world all year. Um, And like I said, Michael Smith last year hasn't been great. He puts that down to the fact that He's probably parting a little bit too much, as he said on the coverage this weekend, as, as being world champion, whether or not he can turn that around and go chasing with Luke having his trophy, as he said now, and his title is, is a different thing. But yeah, look. <laughs> the way Luke Littler handled himself this weekend, despite the fact some of them are out of form, I don't expect them to just suddenly flick a switch for the next couple of weeks and 
the concerns that we had or that we've spoken about in terms of if Luke is winless for four, five, six weeks, how much does the pressure build and that decision start to be questioned? Doesn't look like it's going to be a factor because he's gone and lived with them again. He's beaten some of these players at the World Championships. He's gone and competed with Luke Humphreys over the number of sets that he did. He's gone and beaten Van Gerwen, who was all right up until that final, as you said. Um, and Gerwin Price on the way, who they're the two that you've got to worry about playing mind games in that field with. Yeah, he's not the best environment, not the, not the one tournament to go right. He's won the Bahrain, so he's absolutely proved everything. But there are less fears around Luke's Premier League campaign right now than there were two weeks ago. Yeah, and back to the, the players of fear as such, who, who we're worrying about the most. For me, it has to start with Peter Wright. Just with where his dame's been recently, where it is at the moment, the fact you're now committed to 16 weeks at least, there is no opportunity for him to take a break. There is no opportunity for him to try and work on his game or anything outside the game that will enhance that level of performance. He seems to be going down the route of not tinkering, even though we've seen him tinker for years and years and years. Um, Peter Wright is the biggest worry for 16 weeks of Premier League action, without a doubt. I get your point, Dob, around Price's love-hate relationship, but still Price's B-game is ridiculously higher than where Peter Wright's is. He's the the massive concern going into the Premier League. And that's, obviously, we've still got the Masters and the um, Toto event before then, but Peter Wright, there is a huge concern. And that's the thing, isn't it? He didn't win one, he didn't win a week last week, last year. And it could be the same quite easily, the way this is rocking out this year. His record in the tournament is dreadful as it is because this tournament relies on consistently. And Peter Wright is notoriously consistently inconsistent. He will not last the entire tournament with one set of darts. He will not last the entire tournament without a subtle change to his approach or, or saying something that contradicts something he said in an interview two weeks previously. It's just not possible for him. He'll probably have a different set in, Bar- in Den Bosch this weekend. He may have the, thrown out all the others, but it doesn't mean he's not going to go and get a brand new set every week. The one player I think the Premier League will be a positive for this year is Michael Smith. I think the playing every week, now that year's done as World Championships, I think the Premier League will help him get his name back to where he feels it should be. Tom July for the match play, Tom back end of the year. I think that is what Smith now needs, sort of, to tip up the bat side each week competing in a one-off tournament. He's the it's one I look at who probably needs that more than... It's not the Rod's. Premier League for me. I look at Aspinall, Van Gerwen, Smith and Wright. They all missed way too many Pro Tours last year. That's where they need to get sharp for me. When you look at Cross in particular, rebuilt his game on the Pro Tour. It's that playing potentially six games in a day, that battle ready. It's For me, it's the, the TV is not the place where you get your form back and rebuild your game. Those in particular missed too many floor events for me. They did, but there aren't enough floor events for them to go and get it back before the Premier League starts. And Michael Smith's benefit is he's got to play in the Premier League every week. He's in a position where he is effectively Nottingham Forest last year in that 
he won't be at the bottom of the table because there are players in far worse form than him right now. He will go and pick up... Like, if Nathan Arsenal is fully firing in his Premier League form, Peter Wright returns his form and going price is solid, Michael Smith's in a world of trouble. But they're not. So he should still pick up wins. He should still accumulate points while he's got time to go and build his Pro Tour form and his Euro Tour form. If he's bottom of the table after six weeks, there's trouble because everybody else is... There's, there's a fair few in there that he should not be below. Even with a lack of confidence right now, he is still performing better than some of those players, especially in that format, in that environment that they suck at. The one that the one that'll be absolutely loving this right now, by the way, is Rob Cross. hundred percent. Because he loves a scrap, he can battle past those that aren't playing well, and he's got the ability to go and contend with a Humphreys, a Little, or a Van Gerwen on the night. Yeah, I, I just and nobody's talking about him because of that. Because everyone else is in poor form, and the top three are so stand out. In Van Gerwen wants it back. Humphreys is world champ, and Littler's stealing every single headline you can possibly imagine. Rob Cross is perfectly primed for this year. Yeah, I, I just think those four in particular need to go back to basics and play more on the floor. Um, but it's certainly an interesting one. Challenge tour. The first events of the year took place in Milton Keynes, boys. And fair to say, it was a little bit busy and a little bit interesting. Uh, starting on Friday, Challenge Tour 1. Uh, apparently, you can teach an old dog new tricks as Richie Burnett beat Daryl Pilgrim in the final. Now, Daryl Pilgrim will be thinking, where was this at Q School? Because again, he's put, he's posted big numbers again, but Burnett rolling back the years. Pilgrim and and Janssen were ridiculously consistent across these. Pilgrim probably the most consistent player, and somehow he's only sat at fourth because he didn't pick up one, but he was there or thereabouts. Yeah, he dipped in the last tournament, but the the first two progressing to the final and then quarters in the semi was just ridiculous from Pilgrim, but. Richard Burnett just had a great Friday, being uh, invited to the World Championships. In addition to that, going on and winning the Challenge Tour, it's not a bad way to start your weekend. And I would say it was a surprise to see Richard Burnett going on and winning that, even though we know what Damien can produce, and that's why he was on the tour last year. Oh, you know, I agree, because we didn't see really anything at Q-School to suggest there was a, a, a title around the corner. Um, then moving on to the second event on the Friday. And, and again, Daryl Pilgrim gets to another final. Um, but where this, I'm not going to lie, where the hell has this Danny Ansel form come from? Because I'm not going to lie, last year, he was arguably the cannon fodder that everyone wanted in round one of the Pro Tour. Because since winning the Pro Tour that he did, he's been shy. Yeah, but what did we say about the time that he won that proton? What did we say about the rest of the season? His action won't hold up for an entire oh, action, year. Yeah. It's going to be streaky. When he's on it, he's going to be on it. And clearly, yeah. the last few weeks, he's on it. Like that, That's all you can say about him. If, if that action's on it, he wins. He's won a pro tour, for Christ's sake. Out of nowhere in his year one. But it just does not hold up over time and over distance. No, the, the, the way that wrist is cocked over, I yeah. agree that it's... And clearly, four days at Q School, a couple of days on the practice board, then straight to Challenge Tour and playing more and more and more, he's found something and it's clicked. And is it a, another purple patch? Will that still be there at the end of the year? 
different conversation to be had. Yeah, off the back of a decent run at Q score as well. Adam Paxton get to a semi-final along with John Henderson. But I'm going to go dip into the quarterfinals here a second. Devin Peterson getting to a quarterfinal somewhat of a surprise because, again, he's not kind of threatened that either. Look, he's lost with a 77. It's not, it's not vintage Devin, but he's got something to build on by getting to that quarterfinal. I think that's what we spoke about with Devin, the back end of his Pro Tour time. It was getting back to playing and winning games at whatever level that may be. He, he'd done so long on the Pro Tour without a string of wins that even performance-wise, it wasn't a great day. But he's found a way to battle through and get to the quarterfinals. And that will be huge for Devon in regards to his game. We know he's mentally strong or he gives off the perception that he's mentally strong. Um, but to actually see him get to where he's got to in regards to the Challenge Tour, which without being too harsh. A lot of people in this would have wanted to draw him early on because of his torrent form and the dip. The fact he's now got a good run and he can find a way of winning games, it can only be a positive. It's where now he pushes on and, and goes and plays. Do we see him in um, Super Series, ADC events? Where does he push that game on? How much does he push himself to reach the top? Because... Without speaking to him, I'm sure his ambition is still the same as it was a year ago that he's going to be number one in the world at some point. And no one's ever going to take that away from him, that drive. But it's Tanny T pushing himself when he's not having the right results. So, good scene back in the quarters. Um, hopefully, we'll see more of him in different organisations. Yeah, like I said, learning to win is the key for Devon here again and, and just rebuilding and being in that environment. Yeah, he could have won with a 44. Yeah. Win. <laughs> there's, there's two examples to follow. One is if you look at like an NBA player, bro, a bench rotation player in the NBA. You take him out of that, you put him in a G League. Peyton Pritchard, who plays for the Celtics last year, puts 10 points up a night for the Celtics sometimes. He dropped 92 in a G League game. When you step down that level from where you've been a while, you forget just how good these guys are to be contending and competing at that level. They have been on the Pro Tour for so long. And if you want to dart an example, then you look at Yellow Klassen, who I think has had an incredibly similar couple of years to what Devin Peterson is about to go through. Devin Peterson struggled with his action. We saw that with Yella. He hit an incredible peak. We've seen that with Yella in the PDC. He's still chasing that. We're going to see him drop down. He's going to learn down to, he's going to drop and learn to win again, rebuild the action, get comfortable with it and start chasing. And, and Yella's just got his talk card back. There's, there's positives to follow in those footsteps. There is, but I go back to Yellow rebuilt his action because he knew it was wrong. Devon overcoached. Exactly. And look, we've always said from even when he was playing well, the action worried us because it could break down. And and that's still my worry is the action with Devon. No it matter is, how I think because his downfall was coaching, I also think coaching could be his upturn. Because he understands the biomechanics of his throw better than 99% of players on tour because he's analysed it so often. Whether that's over-analysis, a bit like we've seen with Glenn Doran, is a different matter. But because he's got there with coaching, I think he can get back there with coaching or analysis as long as he doesn't overdo it. Uh, challenge tour number three, we've got a super Swede and it's Oscar Lekasiak. Um, we did, this, ha this hasn't been a surprise that someone from... 
Scandinavia is now coming over and doing it. We've seen um, Andreas Harrison at the Super Series be superb. We've seen um, Anton Erstland. We're seeing Lekaziak and things like that. So this is not a surprise that that neck of the woods is now producing very good players. Nordic and Baltic Tour has been doing it for a while. You look at uh, the Finnish lads, the Danish lads, they've got Euro Tour World Series now over there as well. Like They've built the natural progression. They've, they've laid it out. They've had a good system there. It's probably not been as well documented or, or publicised as perhaps we've seen with the CDC or, or the DPA or the DPNZ, but they've been quietly going about their business, producing players for Euro Tours over and over again, which is a big step up from producing players that are ready for a World Series that's a, a one-off, right, go and see what you can do in front of a home crowd. And it's absolutely no surprise to see these guys going and doing it. We've seen it at, at Pro Tour level, we've seen it at, at Dev Tour level, and they're going to keep building. And I guess, in addition to that, it was part of the world that were struggled through the COVID era in regards to the PDC events, not having the Euro Tours, not having the invites for them. So it was always going to be a slow sort of process to get on back to challenging four titles. But you just feel like it'll be more and more, whether that be Super Series, whether that be um, Euro Tours, whether that be on Challenge Tours, that is only going to continue to grow. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's, it's definitely a region. The only problem is, is with the rule changes, that these players now aren't going to get opportunities on Euro Tours and things like that. Yeah, but I guess the opportunities they have is Super Series, is key, and we've seen on BT. Um, there's still some there. And the fact that they're coming out to play in the Challenge Tour is a, and the number of players that are coming out to play in the Challenge Tour is certainly a positive. Yeah. Uh, challenge Tour number four, Stefan Belmont winning the Swiss star, winning 5-0 in the final. But it's nice to see a Hungarian in Paul Sedley, however you pronounce his name, getting to the final. Again, a bit of a a bit of a statement that Eastern European is again coming to the to the forefront. Yeah. We saw um what is his name? We've seen a couple of hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, Janos Who was the one that won Patrick the... Ko Patrick Kovacs. Kovacs win the WDF online 
lockdown singles. It's another area that is one worth keeping an eye on for the next couple of years. A lot of your nations are, are popping up with the odd players. That break, how we've got an Italian tour card holder for Christ's yeah. sake. Like we're going to see a lot more diversity in the next couple of years. The world has has never been more open. Travel is possible. You're going to see more and more people commit to it, especially with more and more opportunities being shown there. We're going to see this more and more. Shout out, by the way, to Aidan Kirk in the semi-final. Yeah, well, we're going to come to him when we talk about the rankings in a minute. Uh, but again, Daryl Pilgrim getting to another semi-final. Um, it's the it's story of, of of his weekend. Uh, but the final uh, challenge tour was won by Aidan Kirk. Again, and this is kind of the resurgence of of Aidan Kirk that burst onto the scene that UK Open beating Phil Taylor famously when he had hair. Um, <laughs> not, not so much anymore. Um, Aiden, again, Phil, they're both similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, beating Danny Anson in, in the final. Um, again, good to see Kirk getting back to somewhere where he probably deserves to be. Well, I think where he's where we believe his potential should have taken him towards is probably that UK Open run is what is the highlight, but there was still a lot of other good stuff from Perth around that time. Um, but the manner and the players he's beat to go on and win that title on Sunday, Stop Mitchell, Donna Stott, Andy Hamilton, Palazia, Janssen, who's in ridiculous form. It, the names made it even more impressive than in just going on to win a title. And he's, anyone who won this weekend puts them in a very, very strong position with the likes of Luis Perez and plus Premier League players dropping out of Pro Tours. It certainly puts them in a strong position going into the year. Yeah. It's just good to see from a personal point of view as well. I've known Edwin for a number of years, living in, in Nottingham as well alongside him. It just genuinely looks like he's settled in his own life. And I think that's allowed him to, to go and play good darts as well. Like He's been up and down with different county teams and Super League sides and travelling about a bit for the last couple of years. He was the beneficiary of when Dean Reynolds turned down his tour card via the yeah. Dev Tour a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that was the last time we've really seen Aiden have a crack at this level. And I just think maybe that one experience with Phil Taylor meant the expectation levels were a bit higher than perhaps where his game was at that point. But he's got the action. He's got the ability to go and compete. And if he keeps that up for the rest of the year, it'll be interesting to see what happens through the Challenge Tour rankings, if we can see him sneaking in anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, evening, Patrick. Hope you are good, mate. Um, oh, on those Challenge Tour rankings, it's Danny Jansen that leads the way and Stefan Belmont in second place. That We know those two will get an invite to the first set of Pro Tours due to Perez and Adrian Lewis not being available. Then, it, then it's Aidan Kirk in third. He'll be open that someone else, potentially one of those Premier League boys. No, he'll be there. Sam? He'll be there. He'll be there. How about Torak went back and apply for his visa, didn't he? He won't be at the first pro tour. We don't know that yet. We, it might get until we see the list. He's ninety nine percent certain of being in that first pro tour if he gets. I, I, I agree. He's available. Yeah, Phil, this is um, the first time ever you've wanted official confirmation before spelled about someone moving forward. The first time like, ever in the thing is, it, it's, it's the visa situation <laughs> that we just don't know how. Uh, that, that that's the problem. It could take. Two weeks, it could take four months. There's just once your paperwork goes in, and you've seen Corey. Would you stick around for the first? Well, the first Pro Tours February, isn't it? 
So long yeah, time so when you can get the ball rolling. But actually, if you stick around and play the first weekend and then disappear and go and apply for it, they can't take your card off you for two years. The problem is, though, there's, there's back-to-back Pro Tours weekends in, or Monday, Tuesdays. Two weeks in a row. If you just play the first two and disappear. That's, that's all I'm saying. Is he sticks yeah. around, plays one, and then his card is safe until the end of 2025. Uh, there you oh, go. He's, Cheers, he's, he's already in. Told you. You didn't know that one. No, but he's in, isn't he? <laughs> well, that Pilgrim should be there. Lacaziac maybe, and Richie Burnett back on the Pro Tour straight away. A couple of weeks ahead of the World Senior Darts Championship after winning the Challenge Tour should be very interesting. Plus Premier League and all that players. This will drop down to close to double figures. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. But again, just something that we touched on after our Q score coverage, that, that Darren Pil- um, Darryl Pilgrim's currently sat in fourth. Is this the best way for him to get his card? So he eliminates that pressure of Q school. Go and do it the way that the others have. David Evans in, in, in the past, um, Owen Bates, Go and do it that way and get it done. 100%. The the consistency we've seen from this weekend proves that Q School isn't for him. Yeah. But this environment might well be. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I genuinely believe once he's on tour, he's going to be hard to knock off and he'll be all right, but it's just getting that card in the first place. And the last couple of years, perhaps his game hasn't been ready, but the last year on the Super Series has meant everybody was aware of the levels that Daryl Pilgrim can produce. Plus his appearances on the Pro Tour for the last two years. He made one appearance in 2022 in which he averaged 99 or something and then sat top of the rankings for the entire year on terms of yeah. uh, average for the year in that one event that was constantly brought up by the likes of Dan Dawes going a statistical anomaly here. He's played one game, lost it, his average sits this high. It's not a reflection of everybody else. You can't say he's number one on the rankings all the way through. Last year, a couple of appearances, had those two record averages at the Super Series, including the nine dar. But even then, when we've seen him return to things like Champions Week, I think you can see the pressure on him a little bit there in that the expectation level on him is so high because of the level we've seen him produce. The minute Luke Littler didn't qualify for Series 5 Champions Week, Daryl Pilgrim was favourite like that. He was installed straight away. Everyone's going, Pilgrim, Pilgrim wins it. Pilgrim returns. The level we saw against that Scott Taylor game, Pilgrim wins it. He didn't make Saturday. I thought he made Saturday and then lost in the semi-final. Lose to Jim or Moreno. I think he lost to Jim off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so the first challenge tour, and we now know the standby list for those first pro tours. Um, World Seniors, God, busy weekend. Uh, first of all, we have two new qualifiers yeah. for the Tavern. Uh, talk us through the gym last, but yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch any of it, so. <laughs> I mean, five events a weekend instead of just the three. In previous years, the qualifiers have been ranked, which come with a couple of issues of players that were already qualified having to play them to start looking towards qualifying for the next event. So that has now changed. So there's three ranking events, uh, two on the Friday, one on the Saturday morning. 
then a Saturday night qualifier and a Sunday qualifier. Um, Martin Turner winning the first qualifier on Saturday night. Uh, probably didn't play that great in the first three ranking events. Was one of the seeds that was finding a way to not to go out early, but was consistent without being exceptional. But Saturday night, I think he he timed his run really well. He took his chances and opportunities. He was incredibly consistent. I think he he flicked a switch when he realised that actually after three and a half events, a lot of people were perhaps not used to being in that environment and playing for that long. So I think he outlasted a lot of people as well as outplayed a lot of people. Um, a player that's been to virtually every single seniors floor event has been up there in the rankings in the top 10 for a long, long time without challenging the top two or three. And he's gone and done it outright weekend one. So um, very popular winner amongst the other players and, and on the tour as well. I think that might give people that he travels with, the likes of Darren Johnson and, and Mark Lawrence, the, the kick up the backside to go and chase it and go, right, I want to be there with you, um, was was really good. Um, Jim Long winning the second qualifier, I don't think is a surprise to many people. We've seen him in Newbury twice before, uh, just the ranking events. Um, he's travelled over, played those weekends before he's made appearances in the uh, World Seniors, uh, in the Moda Super Series. Um, Winning the fifth event, look, Jim's in great shape. Probably is more used to playing multiple events over three days than anybody else in that room because of the way that American tournaments are set up. We'll no doubt talk about that shortly as well. Um, we've seen him. He's very, very capable when he gets going. And look, his finishing in that room is something to behold because he's very, very, but he's very clinical. He's perhaps not the biggest scorer in the room. But his clutch finishing, where he's had those experiences, where he's been one of the top guys in a room, certainly helped him out in that regard. So, yeah, two brilliant qualifiers. We've got four more to come out right and two more from the order of merit. Paul Hogan is looking pretty solid for a, a world championship debut. We've seen him at the match play twice. Um, comfortably number one on the order of merit, trailing by Rich uh, Mike Huntley. Sorry. Uh, two other winners were Derek Coulson, threatening this for a long time, been quite big on Derek's chances of winning the tournament. I told him last year he'd go and win one. That same day he made the final. Didn't quite go through him in that final, but his scoring power is incredible. There aren't many players in that room that walk up to him and go, I've just hit a nine in practice, but it doesn't really count because it was only in practice and shrug it off. But he's got that ability in him. So he won't thank me for saying that if he's listening either, but... He does have that ability in him. One of the nicest guys in the room as well. Thoroughly deserved. Uh, and Wayne Davies picking up the other title. He's just been super consistent of late. Uh, we saw the form creeping in towards the back end of last year at, at um, a couple of the Newbury events. Deserved to win the title again. When he finds that first start in the treble, he's scoring power is heavy. Called a number 180s for him throughout the day and picked up the other title. So, yeah, five, five winners in five events. Two more weekends to go. Long weekends. Um, me and Boise, I may have kept a certain someone below us up snoring one night, but um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess just to add on that, a few sort of um, honourable shout outs. Mike Huntley got to two world championship um, qualifier semi finals in a great position in second. And uh, Andrew Houghton, I thought across the weekend, looked very, very good. I know you mentioned Derek there as well, not just winning one, but he ran into some absolute performances throughout the rest of the weekend. Um, and I also think in, he's going under the radar a little bit at the minute because he's already qualified. 
but Richie's still looking good <laughs> coming into a TV event. Richie's not making the finals that we've probably seen before, and there's a lot of pressure to us of the amount he has. But Richie House, and he's certainly going to be one to watch at the World Championships. Um, but as you said, Dob, two weekends to come, more players to come back because of the Challenge Tour um, happening on the same weekend. So I think we are teed up for two great weekends and even more so that second one, the the, the final weekend. That is going to throw up a lot of drama because of the ranking list, because of the qualifiers. Um, I think that will throw up all sorts of drama going into the World Championships. When is the draw? Someone's just asked in the chat room. Pass. Waiting to be confirmed. Fair enough. I was just, just asking that was all. I generally don't know the answer to that. <laughs> if I did, I'd say, but yeah, no idea. In the past, it's been the Sunday after the final qualifier, but yeah, it's not been confirmed yet. Also, the last two invites were announced, Gob? Yeah, they were. Uh, one, a little bit of a wild card. One, I think a lot of people can can get behind. Richie Burnett uh, just lost his tour card. Was meant to play in the initial World Seniors Darts Championship. Uh, only then went on and picked up his tour card two years ago. Him and Kevin Burnett were two of the players that had qualified or, or made their way into that very first event. Um, neither managed to... Well, they both went and got tour cards and, and had two years of it. Um, very popular announcement. Very popular player. Not sure the stage is big enough for him to go kicking people, but that's something for the opponents to work out. Uh, the other Manfred Bildel uh, of Germany, or the Beaver, as he is uh, affectionately known, that's his nickname. Um, again, like I said earlier, a little bit of a surprise one, I think, but it symbolizes a, an attempt to crack a different market. We've had a number of North Americans involved so far. They continue to be involved in, in Gates and Cameron. Uh, the Dutch boys that we've seen in the past have been good and they've, they've created nostalgia in, in Stompy and Scholten, but perhaps they haven't been as competitive. There's a, a massive buzz in Germany right now. Bildel has won soft tip title, so he's not a mug. We see him in the um, German Super League as well. He was the player that, um, I can't remember who hit it, but he hit the nine against. Um, Springer. Springer hit the nine against. That was Bill Earl, and he also went 177, 174. Didn't need to leave 150 after nine, I think. So, yeah, look, it's fair to see. Like I said, a bit of a wild card, but symbolises an attempt to, to go to to take seniors darts to a new region. Germany is one of the biggest hotbeds. Trying to get into Germany for darts, like trying to get into China for snooker at the minute. Like that, that's clearly the way to go. And, and Bill Earl been used as one of those invites to try and push that on. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have been my pick, but there we have it. It wasn't my pick either. I just I just I just say what happens. I don't I don't yeah. make these decisions. It's just <laughs> my job to to publish them and, and to, to give it. So yeah, look, like I said, it, it, it's a new market. It's a new attempt. If it if it doesn't work, then it'll be ability based. But that, that's got to be the reason behind part of the decision. So. And I guess with a new tour, which has invitations, we've justified these sort of decisions for the PDC and the World Series for the last couple of years. So it's the same thing. From there, we're going to go to the other side of the pond. It was the Las Vegas Open or whatever it was called. I don't have any versions there. They were across the, the, the weekend and plenty of pictures flowing around. But only one place to start that 
Fallon Sherrick had an unbelievable weekend in Vegas. And that's just the bits we know about now, Jackie. What happens in Vegas is in Vegas, apart from the darts. Um, yeah, look, she seems to be bloody everywhere. She won the women's five and one. She won the mixed triples, the mixed pairs with Leonard Gates in cricket. I'm not sure. She uh, she played the soft hit world, didn't she, a couple of years ago? Did I make that up? Yeah, she played. Nicholson, so yeah. uh, she wouldn't be a complete alien to the for, to the format. Obviously, there's a lot of sort of still tip, but um, those of you that are wondering the reason she was playing with the likes of Leonard is that in the singles and some of the events, the PDC players aren't allowed to play on the streamed versions. Uh, so Whitlock was there, but he wasn't allowed to play in the singles, uh, played in a couple of various other things. Um, but yeah, look, incredibly successful for her. Booked her spot at the Lakeside should she wish to pursue that this year. Whether or not that happens is a... Don't worry, we're going to talk on that in a minute because of the social media debate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good to see Keith Della made his way over there. I believe his son Matt currently lives over there. So he, he popped over, killed two birds with one stone, won his first game, wasn't quite as successful in the second, lost to Jim Widmeyer, another over 50 from America, by the way. Um, but good to see him actually put in some sort of practice and effort in ahead of the Circus Tavern. Um, Jacob Taylor beat Jess Smith. Yeah, he's qualified for Lakeside as well. Um, it looked a pretty decent weekend. And the fact we're sat here talking about a WDF event across the pond tells you about the calibre of players in it, those that travelled over there and, and the quality of the game in North America. Well, yeah, look, I think it obviously helps that we, when we look at the winners of the events, Jacob Taylor, Jeff Smith, people that we've seen figure on a lot of big stages in in darts. Fallon Sherrick obviously doing her bit. Simon Whitlock was over there as well. So the names that have gone over there have massively helped the event. Yeah. I think that location helps. If this is the middle of the week. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I was on FaceTime with someone who lives in New England the other day and they've got about that much snow on the ground. There's absolutely no way these guys are over there to take that in, are they? They're over there to experience Vegas at the same time, but it, it certainly helps. Having that yeah. calibre, yeah. So I've just just had a look. By the look of it, Fallon won the um, open singles, the mixed triples, cricket, and the inaugural Las Vegas Classic. Not bad for a weekend's work for the Queen of the Palace. Now... Obviously, after winning those, the debate raged on social media. She's qualified for Lakeside. What will she do? I think we all know what she will do. And I'm not even convinced. Say she doesn't qualify for Ali Pally. I'm not even convinced she'll play Lakeside anyway. She didn't go there to try and qualify for Lakeside. That wasn't the point of the weekend. Maybe not. I I think it would be an absolutely stupid decision if she doesn't qualify for the PDC World Championships. I think I'm in agreement with you. I don't think she plays in the WDF under any circumstance, the World Championships. But I think it would. I don't think it's the right move if she's not qualified for the PDC. Personally, I, I think a big conversation around this is what does the WF look like by the time that World Championship rolls around? The men's rankings are a bit of a mess given the amount of players they've lost. We've already seen them lose Australia from the calendar and they're looking at 
the Masters. We've got the Dutch Open next week. It, it, it's easy when someone else is running these tournaments for the WDF to attach ranking points to it and look brilliant, right? The Lakeside, for the most part, was a massive positive just gone. Crowd sales, the ticket sales on the final weekend were brilliant. The production wasn't fantastic, but they still got a tournament on. It looked okay, and there seemed to be an appetite to go to that venue to watch darts of that level. Part of that is the Women's World Championship. Now, we clearly know Phil's points on that being called a World Championship, but until there is a PDC Women's World Championship, for me, that still is. And we've had this debate earlier about two of the greatest men of all time. Look, Fallon wants to be in that conversation for the women, whether or not that's for world titles or not. And I know we've spoken about her aspirations being slightly different, but <clears throat> if the landscape continues to sit where it is, I don't get why you wouldn't just have a shot at it. Because she's qualified now. She's not got to go chasing points. I know she has. But I just think and now, now the time, why would you not? It, it's prize money. It's not too far away from where she lives, for one. It's literally, you could rock up there. You don't have to pay for a hotel. You could literally get someone to drive you there and back on the night. If you get beat first round, you win a grand. Or I just think, speaking to her, it's just not on her radar. Which, I dare, but, and this is saying that she doesn't qualify for PDC. We all know the decision that will be made if she does. But it's more for me around, if there is nothing on that week for Fallon, and then she's in a world championship, why wouldn't you play? Because like, we it on your radar or not? Because right, she openly admits she doesn't class it as a world championship. She's openly said that. In her eyes, she, she doesn't class it as okay, so, for a week's work. Yeah, so if it was all the late side open and there's 25 grand for the winner, would you play in it then? I still don't know. I genuinely issue, don't. Because for the last two years, since Fallon did what she did and achieved what she has, the issue with Fallon has been she's not played enough competitive darts. And that's competitive darts. Even if, even if she, if she doesn't qualify for the PDC, that's her last chance to go out and get competitive match practice ahead of Q School four weeks later. No, it's not. Why isn't it? Because I think there's a pretty good chance that she might be in the Super Series <laughs> as competitive match practice. Which stops a week later anyway for a Christmas shutdown for two weeks. Yeah, but you but you said it was our last chance to suggest that may line up to be champions week as well. So if she doesn't qualify for that, it may genuinely be the last chance to play. It may be, but it, no, but it yeah. may not be. If it's not, then it's not. But at the same time, it may well be. And if it is, why would you not have a crack at it? Twenty-five grand, three weeks before Q school. I, I like I said, I just just talking to her. I just genuinely don't think it's on her radar at all. It's, I think it's fine to prioritise one over the other. What I don't, wouldn't feel is the right thing to do is if that is the only opportunity and then you're just saying, no thanks. I just thought I would find it a bit weird. Would she play if it was sponsored by Prime? No, because she just ripped the piss out of you, Prime boy. <laughs> but but the first thing we spoke about earlier is Prime for a Prime sponsorship. Thank me later. Connect the dots. Um, no prime but, here, just joined and where have you nicked that from? <laughs> where do you think we got we got need that for the next two weekends? You shit, uh, Matt Ador, he probably, he probably did, he probably did have a good weekend. Um, the other thing as well is obviously this has other replica re repercussions because of we know that Bo is sat top of the order of merit in the PDC, 
and the likelihood is she will pick the WDF again over. So it yeah. will be interesting to see if there has been a rule change to say that if one place isn't accepted, it goes down to the next one in the rankings on the women's series. Okay. So there is so there is three. Because remember, look, this year, it went back to the PDPA. It'll be interesting to see if that's amended for this year in the qualifying criteria. Oh, yeah, because that piggybacks off every other secondary qualifying route to return to the PDPA. If they make that change to one, they have to make that change for all, which means the PDPA will be capped at two. Well, they didn't, didn't they, for the CDC? That was because... a one-off. They changed the new rules, hadn't they, whereas this rule existed. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 if if that happens, <laughs> we'll come on to that in a second. We'll come on to that comment in a second. But if that does happen, I think it's a non-certainty she qualifies for Ali Pally. Because even with Bo out of the equation, I don't see three others being in front of her in that order of merit? No, look, look, the way she's performed for the last couple of years in her form, definitely not, right? But actually having, it, it's a bit like the Connor Scott conversation we had the other day, who, by the way, DM me afterwards, say that's exactly what he's going to try and do. He's going to try and qualify for both world championships this year because he has the opportunity to do so. His preference will be the PDC. That is where the future of the sport lies. That is where he wants to be. He's going to go chasing that in the hope that he's got a tour card. He can, can carry on from there. That's where you get more notice. That's where you can charge more for sponsorships, X, Y, Z. But if he comes to it and there's a chance to go and earn some money in the WF World Championship a couple of weeks before, that's exactly what he's going to do. And Fallon now having that as a backup option on the 22nd of January surely should not be sniffed at, is all I'm saying. Yeah, look, and just obviously I'd let everyone knows I speak to her quite a lot. I just don't yeah. I just don't think, I don't see her playing there. No, whether she's either 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 it's part of me that just doesn't like I'm with Lee on this. If there's nothing else at that week, I don't get why you wouldn't. I get there's politics afoot and the way that the PDC have used her for marketing and public publicization in the last couple of years, but if there's nothing else on that week, why would you not? We'll get her on and ask her. Um Nice of Neil Duff to come in the chat room, still trying to get him on the show. Oh sorry, mate. Um, anyway, any announcement on the World Masters? Asking for a friend. If yeah, if you email info at wdfdarts.com, they might get back to you. In six to twelve working months. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just going off Tony Martin's comment. Wait a minute, he commented a minute ago. Um, update WDF day forty. Still no reply. Computer <laughs> says no. <laughs> um. But that what, was will, what will happen first, Phil? Will Neil Duff come on this show or will there be a Masters announcement? That's the big day. Oh, well, let's get a poll going. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Neil. We still love you. We'll, um, we'll, get, the, we'll get the camera out of the tavern and I can ask you silly questions again. <laughs> um, Who knows if being baited more but then still gives an answer? Neil Duff or Joe Cullen? Oh, they're both as bad as each other. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to nibble, but they're bloody crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the best one was Neil in Hull. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, laughing his head off, and I'm going to answer it anyway. 
Um, Tobias, yeah, I've spoke to Gary on WhatsApp a few times, mate. He's all good. He's enjoying some fishing time. Um, but as well, Jeff Smith back in a provisional place for Lakeside as well. Of course, got. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do later on that one, I've been. Let's put in the big fish. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, Jeff Smith got been to the Lakeside final before. He's provisionally in a spot after the weekend. Um, good to see the silence of back playing. I suppose my, my only criticism of the, the Las Vegas stuff, because it looks it looks superb, I just like the finals to be maybe on a stage a little bit better broadcast and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, I, look, I, still, to this, I still to this day find it weird when you see players marking on the screen. It, it's something that I'll always see yeah, and always find it a little but, bit weird. I always think if you're doing to the levels of a screen... You dull that little bit further just to make sure you've got a an actual ref. But I agree with events at our stream. It does. Like, don't get me wrong. The um, Will and that from USA Darts did an amazing job yeah. on the streaming side of it. I just like to see the finals on a on a bit of a a, a grander stage, shall we say? Um, but that was over in Vegas, and it was good to see. Um, where are we going next? Um, what else have we missed in a week in darts? Because there's bound to be some. UK Open qualifiers got underway. In... Oh, by the way, how late did yesterday's one finish? They oh, are... I honestly, I honestly, I'm not surprised. It was like long-ass days for Johnny Haynes to qualify. They always have been. Yeah, I saw the result this morning. <laughs> I know I had it somewhere. Uh, yeah, and, and and to be fair, you got half jar, didn't you? Maybe. Yeah, because you know he made it for jar. Yeah. Yeah. After I tweeted, then it better be turned into a gift. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, what will happen first? The WF Masters or Tyra Molina? Uh, Tyra Molina's is consistent, at least. Yeah, if I had the money and the means to host a tournament, which means I automatically qualify for another tournament that I'm no good at, I'd do the same. 100%. However, that's our great betting every year. It's an absolute banker in it. Nine years, never would have sat. Yeah, look, I, I agree, Michael. Look, I think it's time that, that Riley's have been good in the past, but I don't think the venues are up to... I think it's time that they trust maybe the ADC to deliver their amateur qualifiers. The problem with the Rileys is the ones that traditionally hosted the events are either not in a good enough condition to host the events or have had such an upgrade that they don't have enough lanes. Yeah. Not used to hard one. We used to have eight match boards going. You know, they've got three proper dart boards now and then two VR ones. That's it. Where's that? Nottingham. Because the one at Wolverhampton always used to be big as well, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Wolverhampton used to be massive. Yeah. They used to host all of like, the regional Riley's internal stuff as well. They'd have like, their own six to eight week qualifier ranking tournaments in your own club and then you'd go and play in the finals at Wolverhampton. Yeah. Um, but look, 
that it, it is those amateur qualifiers that make the UK Open that the UK Open. It just needs to be a little bit better on how we get them, I think. Correct. There's, there, there has to Two things have to remain with those. One, the amateur aspect has to remain. You still have to have Barry Lynn, the bin man, rocking up to the UK Open and creating a story. And two, they have to be standalone one-off qualifiers, not built from the rankings. An Open yeah. should be you register on a day, you qualify your way there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that one. But the UK Open qualifiers are well and truly underway. And remember, if you haven't yet, make sure you drop us a like and subscribe as well, everyone. Massively appreciate all of your support. Um, looking ahead to the Dutch Dart Masters. No draw as of yet, gents. Um, that's not happening till Thursday. Is it still called the Dutch Darts Masters? Or is it the Benelux Darts Masters? Now they've shoehorned in here. <laughs> Just checking for a friend. Asking for a friend, yeah? <laughs> um, interesting. The draw and... Well, the draw is already out, but the, the schedule has been released for the Masters. Very interesting that Peter Wright and Gerwin Price have been relegated to the afternoon session. When was the last time we saw Snakey in an afternoon? When he didn't have to be. A long time. <laughs> Are they setting their stall out early because the UK Open's coming up and there's only a certain number of players that enter at a certain round that can play on a certain board? Two. That'll go down well. But regarding the Masters, do the BBC do live updates if they're doing it for the first two events of the year? No. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is we've not been in a situation before. BBC now do pretty much have a full-time darts correspondent or a sports person who is responsible for darts content. So whether or not this becomes the norm, I'm not sure they're about to do it for Pro Tours because I'm not sure they, they know enough depth. But for PDC televised events, it would not surprise me if we do see more and more of this while there is a buzz around darts. Whether or not Little is involved is a different matter. Um, but interestingly, the going price will play either Joe Cullen or Josh Rock, and that's in the afternoon session. I find that staggering. I find that justice. Why? Is it in bracket order or is it in... Or is it just selective? If it's bracket it's order, that makes sense. If it's selective and they've still done that, it's more nonsense. Wait a minute, I'll tell you. Yeah, uh, I guess the top four are all playing... Top four are all playing Saturday night. Humphreys, Van Der and Smith and Aspinall. No. So they're just on top four on the night and nets four yeah. afternoon. But I just think that in terms of whoever whoever, whoever that is going to be, whether it's Joe Cullen or Josh Rock, that game against Gezi is better than some of the ones that are in the evening session. It is, but it's a bit like stage two at the UK Open and the Players' Championship. you still got to chuck them a bone at some point. They're not necessarily got to be 
the biggest star, but a big game, and that goes the other way. Uh, that big game for that is decent for them to keep an audience in the afternoon when they've got to go and compete against other things. Or to lose even more share of what's going on. I don't mind it. I, I, yeah, I would argue the fact that Rob Cross and potentially Damon Hector could be a better down than some of them on the night, but you can't. I'd argue we need to see more of it as well, and I have done for a long time. I get why they load certain sessions the way they do, especially with European players that they match up with time zones elsewhere where it's being broadcast, but I'd argue it should be spread around a lot more. All, all but the Worlds, I agree. Yeah. I still think the Worlds needs that highlight slot on the, on the evening of each session. Because some Especially of the seeded draws, some of the seeded yeah. draws can be not as watchful on the IRS. So I, I did it for the world why they would do that, but for all other tournaments, I totally agree. Especially as a fan, if you're being charged the same amount because of the round it is, but because you're going to an earlier session, you're getting charged more to watch a worse caliber of players. Perceived worse, by the way, not not actual worse, but you know what I mean. Yeah, less, no, I, I, less popular. I know what you mean, but Pete, Peter's the surprise among us. I can't remember the last time he was in an afternoon session. I think that is a fair reflection on where Peter Wright's game is right now. I, no, I'm not disagreeing on that. Of Just, all the seeds, if all the seeds is the lowest. Also, something I've just thought of as well because it came up that in Bahrain. It was Luke and someone else were forced to change points, which was interesting. Was it? Yes. Ooh, that was interesting. I can't remember who the other one was. In that field, was it was it Snakebite? He had the, quite a large ring grip on them. At it might have been. I can't remember. They, the, the, there was another one that had to international. Cross uses storm points, which are now legal. That long one. It might have been. It might have been Pia, but but yeah, it was it, it was interesting that the That's obviously the new the new point rule, which is still massively inconsistent because it's down to discretion now, not again. The wrong. The old one was overcomplicated, but this one now is just. It has to be snaky. Everyone else uses straight... Price uses straight points. Aspinall uses Swiss, but they're not that aggressive. Cross is maybe. I don't think it was Cross. It may, it may have been Pete. I can't remember, but it was... Luke and someone else were, were forced to change points. Um, But yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, let's open up question time whilst we think have we missed anything this week we normally do ah super series it's always super series as well which shouldn't be I'm not going to lie (laughs) (laughs) Um, six hours this morning it definitely shouldn't be (laughs) Uh, Wayne Jones booked his place at Champions Week and he was very consistent especially on the Saturday night it's sort of been his game it's been his game while he was a pro tour player it's been his game when we've seen him on 
the seniors events. He just perhaps hasn't played enough to make him a, a top five competitor in the rankings. Um, he's always been that sort of player, hasn't he? And he's another that he's got a decision to make, hasn't he? Or he might end up with a decision to make. Um, he was also entered to play this weekend, but his time in Portsmouth went so well, we didn't see him in Reading. Whether yeah. or not we not see him in the next two weeks is a is a potential conversation to have. But um, much like Mr. Neil Duff and potentially a couple of others, Mikel's has gone and got a tour card. Champions Week could look very, very different this time around to the 12 players it's supposed to feature. Yeah, agreed. Um, will be interesting. Um, we've got a couple of questions from earlier, which we'll do first. Uh, David says, do you think Littler makes the match play? Yes. Right. As it stands, he need because he's starting from scratch, he's got £22,500 to make up just to get to 16. Or £147,000. To get into the top 16. Yeah. That's... He'd have to win the UK Open and... A few Euro tours. tours. Yeah. But winning the UK Open would put him into the Euro Tours without having to qualify. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> UK, UK Open winner, World Championship finalist, doesn't make World Match Play. Really, <laughs> <laughs> that can't happen. Mental, isn't it? I yeah. think he does. He has, he has plenty. He has plenty of good runs at the Pro Tour without winning one and still that's into the match play. If, 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 if anyone no. can, he can. Scott Hoxton. Well, that's in um. um. So we've got a double-ended question here. So we've got so both around Peter Wright. The first one is, do you think he sticks? Um, what was it? No, Peter Wright said he is using only two sets of darts and getting rid of all, his, all of his trophies. He might have moved him out of his room, but I don't think he's been them all. And the other one says, will the PDC regret putting Peter Ryan in the Premier League, not playing well enough, in my opinion, from Jonathan? I don't think they'll regret putting him in because of what he brings commercially, but I think he might regret taking it. I don't disagree. I'd like to be his bin man if he's just chucked them all out. It's not a bad trophy collection of what he's thrown out the house. Um <sighs> Should he have turned it down? I guess the problem right now is it could be the last time he plays in it. That's why you wouldn't turn it down. From a longevity in the game, it might have been the right reason to do so. But for Premier League chances, I don't think Peter Wright would have said no to that. As much as other players would, I'm not sure he is one that would turn down that opportunity. Not sure Even. <laughs> even with his yeah, even with his twenty-two pound a week party money. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's very likely I do turn down a payday. However, given his age and where his game is currently and his record in that tournament, I think the conversation around him not playing it, it should have lasted longer than yeah, I'm just gonna take it and run with it. 
keep saying it is so so bad. Yeah, uh, Matador says he finally won a game on a Friday night. If that's news, yeah, it's decent. Squad. I got mm. Super League on Sunday. I'm driving straight back from Reading to play. <laughs> you still going to go and play darts in Ilkenston on a Tuesday night or wherever it is? I haven't spoken to Mason in a while, but I'm not playing Wednesdays. The league started last well, it was meant to start last week, starting again this week. But I'm not playing. I've left the group chat. Actually. I'm not playing. Ran by muggles. That's no, not to be fair. It's got um, Mark, no the decision has not been made for Champions Week yet because it's done on averages. So, not yet, because yeah, the, obviously there's still... It's averages still in the finals, play. isn't it? There's averages yeah. in the finals, isn't it? So, someone like Nico Blum needs a lot of withdrawals because his performance in the final wasn't great. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that conversation... If there's multiple withdrawals, you might know one or two by week 11. Yeah. But you won't know the entire lineup until week twelve because somebody might lose in that final, but put their spot straight back there because average ninety in it. Yeah. Um. So no. When was the last time James Wade was outside the top sixteen? <laughs> He's hibernated in there for the best part of three decades. So. Wasn't uh was it mid two thousands? I feel like I'd seen somewhere that he dropped out. I feel like I hadn't started secondary school yet. And he's not even in a match play spot. He will be. Have faith. Oh, no, sorry, he's on the he's on the pro tour of merit. I was looking at the main order of merit. Yeah, he is. But he's got he's gonna go in non seeded. Have faith in my spectacled brother. But Look, I know that this is like ridiculously early, but have is you Ryan seen... in the match player? Oh no, Different yeah, I don't know, is he? Um, <laughs> have you seen the gap in the um tour card race? So, as it stands right now, look, I know there's a whole season's worth of money to go on there, but right now it is so weird that Luke Humphreys is on. A million or over a million, and then Rob Cross will be world number two with 300,000. Like, Damn, those boys defending a lot of money. But Smith you know 80% of their rankings to defend. It is, but MVG taking off at 80%, he's still third. Barely. But yeah, he might well be, but that's a big gap to then chase Luke Humphreys. Oh, 100%. Yeah, look, but just think the fact in, two years, in two years' time when Luke Humphrey's defending five TV titles. Yeah, in two years' time. But also, what's the most money anybody's ever had on the ranking? Because if he's guaranteed to be on a 1.1 million at the end of this year, and if he doesn't win a penny from here, well, that might be predictions of your. Surely it's too early for them to have Euro Tour predictions on and whatever else. Didn't I, th- I think didn't MVG get to like 1.4, 1.5 million on his rankings at one point? So he's a match play, another major away from doing it. Two, two TV given, given where he's going to get in Euro tours and pro tours throughout the year. 
Oh yeah, it's not away from being the most outright number one we've ever had. I think so. I'll double check. I'll find out. But I'm sure MVG got to 1.4, 1.5 mil. He's on 1.49 now. He might already be it. He's only, he's defending 300 grand this year. Be interesting, but again, 500 quid away from 1.5 million. <laughs> no, he's on. He's, no, Luke Humphrey's on 1.1 at the moment. On tour card race, his ranking yeah. right now 1495.5. No, yeah, he's going to be close then. Four and a half grand away from 1.5 million. He's going to be close, yeah. Damn. He did win yeah. 26 points in one year, Maliki, yes, but they were worth a damn sight less than they are now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Luke is close to breaking that. I'll find out what it is. Damn. Um, so, yeah, oh, yeah, Ryan Searle, we can finally say it, moved to Harrow's. Um, did he? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Who saw that coming? What surprise? <laughs> you sound... You sound like you're trying to keep that in there, Gov. No. I was tweet. I was replying to that tweet, going, "It sounds heavy, that." <laughs> oh, I know. Like, I'm, 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 I'm pleased for Ryan. Um, his darts look nice as well. To be fair, it, it's hard not to look nice when you've got red and black as your colourway. <laughs> Like half the tour have it. There's a reason half the tour have it. It just complements each other really well. I still think we should bring back that kit clash rule. The moment away, you're getting shot. No, I, I'm all for it. Why? This is an idiot. It's only a matter of time before you're one of third strip and a European one and a. Well, Gezi does for the Euro tours and World Series and Premier Leagues. Only recently because no one liked it before. <laughs> Smithy's done it as well. Smithy bought the gold one out for Wolves. Do you want to see MVG? Do you want to see MVG? Because he just used to pop a little moniker on the back of his plain yellow tops. <laughs> James Wilson did similar, I think. Do you remember when MVG used to play in pink as well? No. Do you not remember his pink shirt? No, I remember when he had hair, but that'd be it. Go back to when Aaron beat him and that in the World Youth Final, he wore pink. What year was that? 2011. No. It doesn't look right. Are you I looking at it now? I'm looking at it now, but then it's Aaron Monk. Wait a minute. It's um it looks massively rund. Like he's wearing it for a campaign or supporting something, it doesn't look like it's it's the right lot of it. It's gonna upload it now. What's in the PDC? 
For anyone that hasn't no. seen it. That was MVG's in a pink shirt. He's me proper Dean Wynn Stanley vibes. <laughs> you know. Oh. Do we think MVG Vincent first round? Um. All right, that's the point. Dark players that need a new shirt. Where are we going with this? Because there are some that their shirts have outstayed its welcome. Just before, what was the what's the deal with Luton for his shirt now moving forward? That's just the World Series thing. He puts tints of orange in it for the Netherlands. Yeah, he, he did. He did it for last. He did it for, well. he did it for Poland last year and New York. So it would surprise me. Will there be a tweet to be sure now he's world champion, though, other than a star? No. I think stars are outdated, by the way. Yeah, well, MVG hasn't, doesn't put any on his now, does he? Yeah, because he's 13 less than Phil. He wants to put a crown on it instead. Grow up. <laughs> there then. Fishermania wins again. To be fair, there's, there's only two of them that could that could have the crown. Get rid of it. Can we go back to talk about shirts? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to it. What what dark shirts are outdated and need a revamp? There's two that spring to mind straight away. If you say James or Gary, I'll kill you. Both of them. No. I like the fact they are the two old school boys to so keep it old school. And Steve Beaton. Steve Beaton's the only player on tour that looks good in white, by the way. Anybody else in a white shirt wants their head check in? Oh, Dan Dawson. Freaking hell. <laughs> it's just not flattering. It's not a sport that's conducive to wearing white, is it? No, I agree that Gary and James are classics, but I just think they need to revamp a little bit. I don't think they'd look right. I don't think you could put Wade in a dark shirt. And him look it doesn't have to be a dark shirt. It can continue to be that, that style of shirt. It just needs... We all know what Gary needs to return to. Yeah, all the foul fashion ones. <laughs> That's the only way I'd accept the Gary Anderson change. Because I think his shirt is just... It's iconic, though, as well. I think there's a couple of players like teetering on the edge. Part of me would love to see a Johnny Clayton rebrand. A chizzy one as well. Because although it's that yellow... that was not change because he moved to Harrow's. He's only been at Harrow for two and a bit years, and he three years. About four. He made his own before that, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, again, it, it stayed yellow, but I just think it needs a bit of a a, a revamp. Mm. I agree with Johnny as well. It'd be nice to see a just something fresh because I I just feel like even as a fan base, like people like collectors and stuff, like there's an opportunity there for Johnny. But I get that also. It's quite difficult where your shirt's a bit patriotic because there's only so many designs in the world and there are so many that love being Welsh for some reason that there aren't many Welsh designs out there that are new. Yeah. There's only so many ways to represent that. Um, who else am I looking at? Asp? When was the last time I had a new Asp shirt? 
that entire target. range is quite similar, isn't it? Yeah. The target collarless launched three years ago range. With the nickname track down the spine, I'm not I'm not yeah. an over fan. Jackpot, ass, voltage. Yeah. Uh, Peter Wright, you can't really say. Chisnell. Hetter's gone for the white shirt. Yeah. I stand by my previous comments. Danny Knopper as well. <laughs> Dirk. Dirk needs a new shirt. He could go yeah. crazy with aubergines and purple instead of just having it as a badge with the black and the orange stripes. Yeah. Go a size up and change the colour. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, Dimitri's shirt, I know he's one of the newer ones at Target, but that beige colour right. is vile. Right. Sorry, now I am being negative, but that is horrible. Yeah, I'm with you. Who looks at that colour and gets excited? Kazoo. Yeah, you can. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you on that. That's right. Right. Buntins is okay, but again, he's part of that same thing. I don't mind Dobie's shirt. No, neither do I. And I'm never going to slide the twist Dobie off in his shell with a wart-on shirt or anything. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> that that walk-on was great, wasn't it? Not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it time for a gilding new shirt? Could he plan the gold a bit more? Big thumbs up on the back. Dumb on the back. Just get the emoji out. Wade, so Rock, Clemens. But again, he's part of that target one, isn't it? Just the German giant down the back. Yeah. Shindy. Shindiggity. Has he still got the wall across the bottom bit? Yeah. Ritaiski. Ah, it's just red in it with an eagle on the back. Seen a couple people mention Fallon. Would Fallon change? Obviously, it'd still remain pink, but. Yeah. Well, she she used to a little bit. She's gone from button up to zip, hasn't she? Yeah. Like. All the way down Gary Anderson style to uh, three quarters. It. But. She used to wear. She used to have two, didn't she? She used to have pink and then the, the turquoisey blue color as well. Not seen that for a while. The Salza. Yeah. You should be more worried about learning to count. Gurney. Fake abs is so 2010. Gandos is all right. Some people still need it. I've seen. I've seen your t-shirt and up. Ireland's Christmas collection is brilliant because you can identify people not to leave your children with. Uh, Barney's is part of that Target collection. Scott Williams needs more yellow, but again, part of that same grouping. Loops, Target. Kim, what's he mopping about with these days? Doesn't really make it to TV anymore. She just wears normal polos. Um, Richie How Richie's... Uh, Richie's added a bit, so he's added the logo on the back, and he tends to go more of the claret and blue than he did the black and grey. I like yeah. Ricky Evans. I like his America one as well. That was pretty cool. Merv, yeah, Merv's needs up. I'm not sure. What more do you do with Merv's? Full Triple H. Never been the most flamboyant, has he? Petretsko, if he does anything else, he gets sued. Uh, anyway, great show tonight, boys. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I, I, I enjoyed tonight's show, everyone. Um, thank you very much, as always, for joining us on the live lounge. We will return next week, and fingers crossed, we'll start having guests on again next week. But 
most of the players have been on holiday away and stuff. Neil? So Neil? <laughs> Lol. Yeah, Neil, we have to. Um, said he was going to ring me and didn't. Hi, Neil. Um, but yeah, um, so fingers crossed we will have guests plenty coming up as well. Obviously, the Premier League returns, the World Seniors. Busy, busy times as always. But thank you very much for your continued support. We will be back for the Pro Tours as well in February. So loads going on. But I've been Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, Lee Boyce. That is us signing out for another Monday night at the Live Lounge. And we'll see you all very, very soon. Ooh.